I'm a firm believer we don't die one millisecond sooner or later than the appointment that God has made for us. So we can live in fear or we can just say, my life is the Lord's. Linda and I always pray, help yourself to our lives, Lord. That's a, a statement we may just help yourself to our lives. And, and he does. Welcome to First Person and today's guest conversation with Christian contemporary music pioneer Dallas Hall. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to this week's edition of our program. You'll hear our interview with Dallas in just a moment and learn how God is using his life in ministry today. Thanks for tuning in. As you listen, I hope you'll also take the time to visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. That's where you can leave comments and suggestions about First Person. And then when you visit our webpage, firstpersoninterview.com, you'll see the schedule of upcoming programs, and you'll be able to go back and listen to any previous program, and you can learn more about the ministry that makes First Person possible, the Far East Broadcasting Company. So thanks for visiting firstpersoninterview.com. Well, Dallas Holm, best known for the songs Rise Again, I Saw the Lord, Here We Are, and many other worshipful songs, is very active in ministry today, not only in music, but in teaching God's Word. He's a husband, father, and grandfather first, but enjoys digging into, studying, and sharing the Bible along with his music. As we began to talk, I asked Dallas to bring us up to date on his life today. Well, still ministering. uh, We typically go out, actually for the last probably 15 years or so, we've, we've had an average number of dates that would kind of translate into, you know, two weekends a month. My wife and I would go out minister mostly at churches, churches of every denomination under the sun, literally, which I just love. I love the fact that we have access and, and availability uh, from from all these different places. Uh, this year, we're, we're winding it back just a little bit. We're just going out once a month. Uh, I really want to spend more time writing. Um, there's been an interesting transition in my ministry over the years. I've, I've always had a speaking, uh, teaching aspect of my ministry, uh, but I don't know, in recent years, honestly, I'm I'm more impassioned by preparing a message, by studying, you know, my commentaries and my systematic theology and, of course, scripture and all that. And it, it just is a uh, a wonderful process to me. And I, I love God's Word, and I love teaching God's Word. So it, it's been kind of a transition there. I mean, we still go out and do concerts. I mean, it, it's a lot of music, but I, I always take that uh, time in the concert to teach from God's Word, too, because I just think there's there are things that need to be said. I don't think anything trumps God's Word, and, and I think that music, as wonderful a vehicle as it is, uh, it's difficult to encapsulate, uh, you know, the directness of God's Word. And so, and so I, you know, I weave it in there. I mean, our concerts, we have some humor. I was always the class clown, so we <laughs> learned how to kind of weave that into it. And uh, you know, it makes for a very entertaining evening, but, but I think even that, even with... With the humor, it kind of softens the heart. I, I think it tills up the soil yep. so that when you, uh, you know, really get down to it and, and scatter the seeds of truth, that they find, you know, fertile soil. And, and so there's a method to my madness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it seems to work. And, you know, we, we still go out, and it's been 45 years now that I've done this uh, uh, full-time, as they say. And I've been in every corner of every state in this country, about 21 countries around the world. And, and I love the ministry more than ever. Ministry is a privilege. Yeah. Well, uh, our calling is different, but I've also been doing what I've been doing for 45 years, so I think I can identify with that a little bit. And, uh, you know, not to be overly critical of others, but would that more people in music would take the time to get steeped in God's Word the way that you have and are doing so? Well, what a, you know, I think back, of course, hindsight is so wonderfully clear, but the, the pastor of my church, um, 
led me to the Lord back in 1965. And, of course, you know, contemporary Christian music, for example, wasn't even a term then. Christian radio, TV, concerts, the music industry as we know it now, either did not exist or just barely existed. So the only reason to go sing for Jesus was, uh, as Paul says, I am constrained. I have no other options. I, I have this held as in a vice by the grip of his love. I must do this. So I, you know, I sang in jails and rest homes and street corners and little churches, and I just loved it. The, the, the privilege to get to sing about Jesus was so great. So as word spread, you know, around the area where I grew up, because I'd been playing in rock bands, and oh, Dallas Home got saved, and would you come to our church? So I was going out, you know, quite a bit on weekends, and uh, my pastor came up to me one Sunday morning, and I can remember just as clear, I can remember that down the right side of the building, it was before the Sunday morning service, he was a very, uh, you know, conservative, non-preachy sort of man, and he just said, Dallas, could I talk to you a moment? And I said, sure. And he said, you know, you're going to have all of your life to minister, but you're only going to have one chance to prepare, and that's now. He said, let me encourage you to stay home, stay in church, uh, he said, you know, go out once in a while, maybe once a month or once every six weeks just to develop your uh, your ministry, but, but stay home, let me teach you. Let me build a foundation upon God's Word. And, you know, I look back now and I go, that may be the single most important piece of advice. What great advice. My oh, goodness. Oh, I know it. I mean, the foresight to see that, and thank God, and, and I really mean this by His grace, that I had the... Because when you're young and you got the opportunity to go out and sing, it would have been easy to say, well, you know, but but they want me, or the need is there. We, we're always so compelled by the need. Well, there's always need. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Peace Corps responds to need. Uh, you know, a lot of organizations respond to need. So it has to be more than that. And and he saw that, and he said, look, this is this is the thing that you're going to need and will sustain you forever. And I, and I think it's one of the reasons I've had viable ministry all of these years, is because it's always been ministry. Music is just a tool. Yeah. It's a vehicle. Yeah. Uh, it may not even be the best thing I do, but it's it's a thing that God has used, and it's, it's served the ministry very well. And but, I'm yeah. guessing, too, that you are turning around now and mentoring others the same way you were mentored. Yeah, I, I, and I, I wish I had more opportunities. In fact, we've tried, and I say we, some of the older artists. I remember, oh, it's probably been back in the 80s now, we had a retreat with... Uh, a lot of the older artists, you know, Andre Crouch was there, and Barry McGuire, Second Chapter of Acts, and Chuck Gerard from Love Song, and we were just sitting around kind of expressing this great concern, even at that time, that as the record industry was getting so huge and had the ability to take a young persons strictly on the basis of their talent or their writing ability or their image or a combination of all those things and thrust them in front of millions of people, we had a great concern then, yeah, but a lot of these people aren't even plugged into church. They don't. They don't have a pastor. They don't seem to understand that you've you've got to be plugged in. You've got to be settled and grounded, and and then go out. So we, you know, we we actually talked to the record companies. Uh, Billy Ray Hearn from Sparrow was the only one that was mm-hmm. truly interested, but he was kind of in a transitionary period of moving out. And of course, that was at a time the record uh, companies were being bought out by other companies. It was, it was a crazy time, but. Uh, We've tried through the years to kind of set up a mechanism whereby we could really have some input into young artist life. And tragically, the industry as such <laughs> has expressed very little interest right. in such a concept. And and now for, you know, it's an American, it's a, cult, it's a disease of our culture, and it's bled into the church mm-hmm. that, you know, if you're old, if you're mature, if you're past 35 or 40, you don't know anything anymore, you don't have anything to say, you're not relevant so within the Christian music industry, 
and and like you, I don't want to be overcritical. There's a lot of great, uh, there are many great young artists. There's a lot of good things happening, but but overall, just a general overview. Um, you know, it's just so disconnected from the church oftentimes. Yeah. And uh, is the church perfect? No, not as long as I'm part of it. But <laughs> we need we need that accountability and that grounding within the church. We need pastoral oversight. Uh, those of us who, you know, claim to be involved in ministry, and there are some out there that I don't think even make a claim that it is ministry. So yeah. that that's a whole other dilemma. <laughs> right. Well, my friend Michael Card taught me that it's who is Dallas home? Get me Dallas home. Get me a young Dallas home. And who is Dallas home? That's the cycle, right? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And, and by the way, I've had the privilege of the last, I think, three or four years now, uh, doing a cruise, an Alaskan cruise, with uh, Michael Carr. Right, and I, yeah. I've known of him for years, but that's the first we've got yeah. to spend time I, together. I've seen with him. the photos of you guys uh, yucking oh, it up man. together. So <laughs> I just, uh, I love him so. And, and yeah, he's one of those, you know, I, I guess rare exceptions, kind of the same thing that, in fact, we've had some conversations because he's been kind of going down that road longer than I have where he said, you know, the music's almost this kind of unnecessary obstacle in his life that, okay, he wrote these songs and people want to hear them, but it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. but let's I get to God's word. word. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet. Michael is a, you know, a true scholar, a very, yeah, yeah, uh, very deep, and that's how God has used him and gifted him. But, but it's that same thing. I think it's at least an understanding. Uh, you know, in Nashville, there's a saying, it all begins with a song. And, uh, and, and really, it's a great saying. In other words, musicians, producers, cartage people, the kid packing up records in the warehouse. I mean, nothing in any way related to the music industry happens till first of all, there's a song. Well, the same thing is true in ministry. You know, it all starts with the word, would, would be my, uh, my premise. You know, that if we could just get an understanding that God's word is at the foundation of, of it all. That doesn't mean in our writing, I've never felt like every song has to quote John 3.16 or sing about the blood or the cross, but in the body, in the overall body of our presentation, we must point to the cross, because that's the only message. That's the only message in all of eternity that can save a soul, uh, that can make that eternal transformation in a life. And I just assess the, the scope of some artist's presentation, they're writing, and it's never even mentioned. It's like they don't even want to go there. And of course, it's not, it's not just music. I mean, that's a dilemma in the church in America. Yes, now. We've got, you know, major mega churches that will not reference the blood, will not talk about sin, will not go anywhere near anything that scripture is very bold to speak about. And so it, it's become a, it's a serious, serious problem. So now we're, you know, we used to feel like as, as ministers, we were kind of, and, and we are, you know, we're, we're battling the enemy. We're wrestling against not flesh and blood, but principalities and power. But now there's a sense of we're battling against ourselves. We're, we're fighting an uphill battle against our own in churches that have perverted the gospel and mistrained their people. So now when you come in with, uh, you know, orthodox theology, where sound doctrine, they're almost at, at odds with you. It's like, oh, well, I don't believe that. You know, <laughs> like, well, well, the Bible does. <laughs> well, let's look here and see what the Bible says. You know, and, and there's almost an attitude sometimes. Well, no, we don't do that anymore. We. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's an interesting day. I've lived long enough to appreciate the, uh, the journey of it all. <laughs> Coming up in the second half of our conversation, we'll continue talking with contemporary Christian music pioneer, Dallas Hall. 
Today's program has been produced with the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, a ministry reaching deep into the countries of Asia, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, and Eurasia. Broadcasting in local languages, FEBC touches lives with the gospel message of God's love. For more information about FEBC and its effective ministry today, please follow the links at firstpersoninterview.com. And listen for the program FEBC Today on many of these stations. My first person guest today is Dallas Holm. Dallas is uh, one of those people that many consider an icon in early Christian music, contemporary Christian music, but Dallas says of himself that through God's grace, I've been a part of the Christian music ministry for a long time. I know you're uncomfortable with those labels, Dallas, but thank you for taking the time to talk today and get acquainted. I want to talk to you personally. Um, Tell me about your family and uh, what God is teaching you now. Well, I've been married. Uh, we just celebrated, my wife and I, our 45th wedding anniversary in the last December. We have two children. Our daughter, who is 40, been married now for be 17 years this summer. And they have four children, our four grandkids. Wait, Dallas uh, Holm is a grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, as of last weekend, five times now, because our son, <laughs> okay. who's uh, 31, he and his wife just had their first. So, yeah, we've got five grandkids. And our daughter and her husband, uh, they live walking distance from our house, so we are so blessed. We just see our... <laughs> That's fabulous. Uh, we had our little Caleb over last night. He's two, and he is just... I mean, we just sit around and laugh at him. He's so funny, and uh, we're, we're very, very blessed. And, and that's, that's really been at the heart of... In fact, I've said for many, many years, uh, you know, if I, if I were to articulate a, a priority system for our ministry, it would be God first, family second, ministry third. And mm-hmm. I know there are other nuances to mm-hmm. that that could be argued, but... But in real basic terms, I mean, my response to the Lord is is number one. If that's not right, nothing else works. Right. But I think where a lot of people get it mixed up, and, I, and I've seen this through the years. I've seen, uh, you know, pastors, I've seen even missionaries who have lost their families, lost their kids, just totally disintegrated because I think they had a wrong prioritization, a wrong understanding in that, well, yeah, the ministry's first. I've got to give my time and my efforts uh, and no, to your, others. Your family is your ministry, right? I mean, I, I've always said if if I'm not the if I'm not the minister that I need to be in my own home, what right do I have to go anywhere else and talk to anybody else about the Lord or their lives? So uh, it, it starts there, and I've always understood that, and that's one of the reasons. Even you know, people always ask, "Do your kids musical? Do they sing?" My son's very musical. He's playing. He plays bass. He travels with a, a, a Christian country singer right now and touring. Uh, my daughter got more into sports, but she is musical. But I, I never wanted my kids to think because I did these concerts or made records or was on television. I've just always been dad, and this is this thing I do, this unique thing I do. Never made that big a deal out of it. So you know, fortunately, uh, and in all thanks to the Lord, but our kids just. Love the Lord. They've always loved the Lord. They've never been an ounce of problem. Um, you know, and I think that's because we, we followed, uh, I, I think we exercised wisdom in our prioritization yeah. of, of life, ministry, and, and marriage. Well, listen, I didn't plan to talk to you about this, but i got to ask this question. We're about the same age, but I am not a grandpa yet. And I want to know, what is life like as a grandpa? What, tell me about that relationship. Well, it, it truly is. It's wonderful, number one. I mean, I used to always, you know, you'd, you'd hear or see these grandparents, and they're bragging on their grandkids, and they pull out the pictures, <laughs> and you just kind of thought, well, I'll never be like that. Well, if I were to pull out my iPhone right now, you're just going to see pictures of grandkids <laughs> yeah. all over the place. 
And of course, I know that mine are the most beautiful. Oh, smart of course, yeah, I assume that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is such a joy. It's a it's a special joy because I think when you have your own kids, I mean that's all an experiment. You've never done this. There's a certain <laughs> aspect of fear. You hope you're doing it right. You know, am I disciplining too much? Or am I disciplining not enough? And I don't know. There's there's this kind of walking on eggshells thing. All, all of a sudden, you're through that. Your kids grow up. They're doing fine. Everything worked out. Yeah, sure, there are things I wish I'd go back and, you know, I could have done this better. I wish I hadn't have done that. Th- that's life. I mean, in any aspect of our lives, there's always things we probably could have done better, but I don't have regrets. Well, then the grandkids come along, and you can just enjoy them. It's not up to me. <laughs> but but the, funny, the one of the funny things I've noticed is there's danger everywhere. Hmm. Uh, my wife and I, and we try not to be those grandparents that are, you know, telling that, you know, you really should watch out. You really need to be careful. But it's like stuff we never thought of with our kids because you're just in, you're in. Well, there's a lot more dangers out there than there were a few years well, ago. And too. there are. But I mean, just little things like that corner of the table really is sharp. You oh, know? Yeah, well, yeah. same corner that was there, but through both the lives of our kids. Huh. But now it's just like it's got a spotlight shining on it when our kids walk. Right, <laughs> right. It's just funny how um, I think there's a, almost a hypersensitivity because you have lived more of life and you did raise your kids. And you know that your children raising your grandchildren are in the experiment mode. They're trying, So you want to help, but, but at the same time, you know what, you just got to let them do the same thing you did. Just It'll all work out fine as long right. as you trust in the Lord. <laughs> a friend of mine describes it this way. He says, when I had grandchildren, I found a place in my heart I didn't know existed. Yeah, that's a great statement. It really is. It, it, I, I, I certainly can't say I love my grandkids more than my kids, no. but I think there's a greater, broader appreciation of their little lives that you maybe didn't realize as much with your own kids just from the, the pace and, and the busyness and the, uh, you know, the, the kind of um, angst of it all. And now you can just sit back and observe and enjoy, yeah. and it's such a blessing. Yeah. Dallas, uh, what what do you know about the Lord today? What what is your understanding of the Lord today that you didn't know twenty years ago? His grace is much much broader than I ever imagined. God is much bigger than I thought He was, and I thought He was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that really comes from my my study and my theological journey, if you will. Um, I was raised in an environment, not that they purpose to do this, but, you know, there are different doctrinal camps and different views of of gods and the sovereignty of God and the security of the believer and those things. I was raised in an environment that, uh, you know, rather suggested to me that uh, my salvation was really kind of a precarious thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that you could... You could lose your salvation, and boy, if you're in the movie theater when that trumpet blows, yeah, yeah. too bad Watch for out. you. Yeah. That, that uh, movie theater ceiling is rapture-proof. I know, I heard it all, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you lived with this kind of, you know, fear, and, uh, you know, I'd get, I don't think I thought I was getting saved, but, but I, you know, man, I'd, I'd, I'd go down the altar, and I'd have business with the Lord on a pretty regular basis, because it was like, well, I know that on the 17th of October, 1965, my life was radically changed. I meant it, man, I, my life changed, but Within hours, I'd screwed up. I mean, just these flaws and these rough edges of my life. Well, maybe I, I better tweak this thing a little bit. And anyway, it, it was just an absolutely wonderful day in my journey with the Lord and ongoing study of Scripture when I realized that if if my salvation is in any way dependent on anything I brought to the table, man, it is a flawed salvation. 
that it really is a gift by God, uh, by grace, and, and my faith is, is uh, what accesses it, but it's all on Him. And, and that sounds, you know, people take that and pervert it. You know, you get the, the cute little one saved, always saved thing. That isn't what the Bible uh, teaches. I mean, it certainly teaches the security of the believer. But mm-hmm. I, I live now, and I was just having a conversation with a minister friend yesterday, we, and we were talking about this very thing, and I said, when you understand, it to, the, to, the, to the extent we're able, that before the very foundation of the world, God thought of me, God chose me, God purposed a plan to track me down, the, the amount of gratitude that, that I now feel for that, it wasn't, it wasn't just the 17th of October in 65 that we kind of accidentally ran into each other. There was an eternal purpose and plan way back there that God had for me. And now when I assess the scope of my life and I look back and, and see the privileges and the blessing and in spite of myself, my heart of gratitude is so large. I don't serve the Lord because I'm afraid. I don't serve the Lord because I'm trying to get points or secure the integrity of my salvation by getting good marks. I serve the Lord because I am so overwhelmingly, inexplicably grateful mm-hmm. for who He is and what He's done in my life. So, and just in that regard of even my salvation, uh, you know, the sovereignty of God, the hugeness of God, the uh, measurable scope of His grace and, and His mercy. These are the things that I, I now contemplate and understand at, at least to a much greater degree than I used to 20 years ago or uh, 30 or 40 years ago. So, you know, and, and I, keep, I keep digging and I keep finding more. You know? <laughs> it's limitless. It's not fair to ask this question with so little time left to us. We only have a minute or so, but I know your wife, Linda, has battled cancer. Is she okay now, by the way? She is doing great. She great. was diagnosed, uh, I think it'll be 28 years ago this summer, okay. and has had some reoccurrences and been through chemo and radiation and all that. But, Just briefly, uh, doing what, great. what has cancer taught your family? Uh, obviously a lot of things, but certainly the faithfulness of the Lord, that, that He is faithful. His grace really is sufficient for the difficult tasks. And and again, I think, you know, understanding the sovereignty of God and His eternal purposes. I was reading a scripture, I did a funeral service recently, and I think it's the 139th Psalm 16th verse, where it says something like, you know, uh, Thou hast written in thy book the number of my days uh, before they ever were. Mm. And so we can live in fear, oh, am I going to die? You know, I'm a firm believer, we don't die one millisecond sooner or later than the appointment that God has made for us. So we can live in fear, or we can just say, my life is the Lord's. I presented my body to him, a living sacrifice. Linda and I always pray, help yourself to our lives, Lord. That's a a statement we made, just help yourself to our lives. And, And he does. Early Christian contemporary musician Dallas Holm, continuing today to impact lives for Christ with his music and teaching. For links to Dallas and his ministry today, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You can follow those links to learn more about his God-given calling today. Also, if you missed any portion of today's program, it's archived for your convenience online at firstpersoninterview.com. And then if you'd like to see who's scheduled to talk with us over the next few weeks, that information is also there on the website. Have you visited and liked our Facebook page yet? We'd love to have you stop by facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview and learn more about us and leave a comment if you'd like. That's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. This program is also released as a podcast and you can listen to and subscribe to it through iTunes or with your favorite mobile podcast app on your smartphone. Next week, our guest Doug McAllister will tell his story of placing his faith in Christ through unusual circumstances. Now, with thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support of today's program, 
And with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next week for First Person. 